850 KFUO Worldwide at KFUO.org. I'm Gary Duncan. You're listening to the Midday Moments program. It's time now for our moment in creation with Pastor Warren Worth of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Arnold. Hi, Pastor Worth. Hi, Gary. What would you like to talk about today? Well, you know, it's that time of year. Everybody makes New Year's resolutions, and one of those New Year's resolutions that people make is they're going to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And so they get early in Genesis, and they're up to uh, the flood, and usually they'll run into a question. So in Genesis chapter 6, we read, When man began to multiply in the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God, so that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the land in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and the birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So those verses that lead up to the account of what God did to destroy the earth, to judge the earth, with the great flood and yet preserve Noah and his family and the animals with him on the ark has caused a lot of questions over the years and people wonder what does it mean sons of God and daughters of man and what are we talking about with the Nephilim and people come up with some pretty exotic and far-fetched interpretations letting their imaginations run wild so I think it's better to kind of calm everybody down and say, well, Scripture interprets Scripture. Once in a while, you'll run into something where you scratch your head and say, I'm not sure what this means. I'm not, you know, I don't want to say something definite here, but let the Bible interpret itself and don't accept an interpretation that is wild and far-fetched and doesn't match the rest of Scripture. I think the Lutheran Study Bible footnotes actually help to give a sane and sober interpretation for these words. So rather than coming up with something like that the sons of God have to be fallen angels and they're uh, breeding with human women and having offspring that are part demon and part human, that does not accord with anything you read anywhere else in the Bible. Indeed, it contradicts some clear teachings of the Bible. Uh, For example, Genesis itself, as the Lord, through Moses, told about creation, talked about everything reproducing after its own kind. And so it would seem, first of all, that there would be some kind of half-breed, half-angel or demon, and half-human creature would not accord with what the Bible says about God's creatures reproducing after their own kind. And that angels reproduce at all would seem to contradict what Jesus says in Matthew uh, and elsewhere when he's asked about uh, a question about marriage, uh, and particularly in the resurrection. You know that the Sadducees who don't believe in the resurrection tried to trap Jesus with a question about what happens if a woman is married and her husband dies and then she marries again to one of his brothers and he dies and then she winds up having no children and they're, they're 
question they thought would stump Jesus is, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? And Jesus says, you're wrong, because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God, for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And so theologians through the years have said, you know, that indicates marriage has to do with human beings and breathing has to do with animals and creatures on earth, but not in the spirit world, and that angels are not um, involved in marriage or sexual activity. So I think the the burden of proof on those who try to turn this into a Rosemary's baby kind of situation it is definitely, we'd say that they don't meet the burden of proof. It's, that's just far-fetched, letting their imaginations run wild. So what's, what is the godly, sensible uh, way to interpret this? Well, the sons of God, which appear to be believers, uh, the descendants of Seth, so the godly people, uh, were desiring the daughters of man, which would tend to be unbelievers, and they were marrying with them. So what became the priority for them was good looks. Uh, When they were attractive, they said, ah, I'll marry her, and not giving concern to godliness and holiness and faith as a criterion. And so that seems to be what's going on when the sons of God are going into the daughters of men and having children. So it's, it's ordinary human relations there, but it's with believers and unbelievers, that seems to be what's going on, rather than demons or that kind of thing. But what about this Nephilim? So that seems to come from the Hebrew word that has to do with fallen. Well, we're talking about fallen people, not fallen angels there. And when it talks about them being mighty men who were of old, men of renown, it appears that they were large, perhaps, uh, but certainly vicious, vulgar. Um, In the footnote of the Lutheran Study Bible, it says thugs, tyrants. Uh, the men of renown, the first nobility of the world was a group of tyrants who were admired nonetheless. These were sinners ripe for judgment in God's eyes. And so bringing this all full circle, one one could talk about this a, a long time, but rather than going with some crazy, wild interpretation about space aliens or demons mating with human women or something like this, it appears the sound way of looking at in this particular passage is that godly people started marrying ungodly people and their offspring were often violent and thugs. And and then it gets into the fact that God uh, was fed up with the violence in the world and the sin in the world and determined that he would wipe out uh, the living things on earth with a flood. But Noah found favor with the Lord, and therefore uh, God was gracious to him and spared Noah and his family and the animals with them on the ark. And that would seem to be a sober and sensible way to interpret this rather than one that is kind of wild and not in keeping with what the scriptures teach. Interesting conversation today. I do appreciate the notes that you're reading there from the Lutheran Study Bible. Yeah, I, I think so. And again, particularly, I think it's helpful to to let scripture interpret itself and not to go with a, a, a scriptural or an interpretation of the Bible that is not keeping in keeping with what the Bible itself says about reproduction, angels versus human beings in terms of how God created them and, and so forth. And I think when you let all of the Bible address this, it does spells a lot of the wild interpretations, and the simple uh, interpretation is really the best, that you're talking about godly people marrying ungodly people, and then their offspring being violent and Mm -hmm. thugs and tyrants. That, again, leads up to what the Bible says about the violence and the earth being great, and God being grieved at man's sinfulness, 
and uh, that leads up to God's judging the world in the flood of Noah's day. And for ourselves, of course, we realize there's a lot of violence in the world today. You don't uh, see uh, demons mating with human beings, but there's certainly plenty of violence, plenty of sin, and we know that the world is reserved for the day of judgment with fire. And uh, that's why we especially we want to point people to Jesus, because he's the one who came to deliver us from sinfulness and our sinful flesh and our sinful desires and the violence and other corruption that has come into the world because of our sin. And it's Jesus who died and rose against it that we might have forgiveness and also have the free gift of eternal life with God forever in the new heavens and the new earth. And marriage is not part of that. Reproduction is not part of that. But we will live and reign with our Lord in our resurrected bodies in the time to come because of God's grace in Jesus, our Savior. Yeah. Would you lead us in prayer as we wrap up today? I would be happy to do so. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, help us when we do not understand something in Scripture to let your Holy Spirit through the Word help us to come to a right understanding of these things. And where are things that we don't understand to commit them to your keeping and care. But help us to trust especially in the clear passages of Scripture that point us to your Son, Jesus Christ, who came to this world, true God and true man, to be our Savior, who lived a perfect life and then offered up that perfect life on Calvary's cross as the perfect sacrifice to take away all our sin, so that by his death and resurrection we might have forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Work in us faith in Jesus our Savior and bring us at last to our share in his resurrection. We pray this in his most holy name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for being on the program today, Pastor Worth. My pleasure. We are listener-supported KFUO, the messenger of good news.